Ryan and Nick tonight, or Tristan tonight, good God. You can tell I've been off a week and Tristan's been off two weeks. I know, Tristan, just let it go. Just let it go. We, it is, it is, it's the Monday after a week off. It's how it goes. Raptors up 57-53 on the Pacers. Knicks have an early 22-21 lead on the Pistons. It's a slow night in the NBA, T. We got two games, but you know what? My Knicks, they're hanging on. They're going to hang on and do all they can. Mitchell Robinson on the bench tonight, slowly working his way back. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about their future. I'm feeling good. It's going to slowly just uh it's going to get better that's how we're going to be yeah hopefully julius randall doesn't need season-ending uh surgery on not. his dislocated shoulder yeah. and you need ogn and Obi back from that elbow injury uh asap rocky because this team just hasn't been very good since he's been on the bench this is this is very very true you know it's like every time you think you got something nice i'm like hey the knicks got a good team this year oh god everybody's hurt this is what i'm gonna have to deal with every single season that it goes on but hey we don't even talk about the wizards and that's a good thing i'll leave that team aside all right we bring on john krasinski here senior writer for the athletic he covers the timberwolves he covers the vikings no we will not make any office jokes with jim it's, i'm sure you've heard it a thousand times so i'm just not even gonna waste my time with it because that would be unoriginal my friend so i won't do it uh, that being said we were talking about the timberwolves earlier and you know this is a team john that when you watch them, you see the talent that's there. Anthony Edwards clearly is, you know, the number one on that team. But for years, I felt like there was expectations and a level of talent that's there. But it never seemed to come together. What has been the difference this year for Minnesota versus in the past where we're looking at them and going, I mean, they could be the one seed in the West when things are all said and done at the end of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to two things. I mean, the most obvious is health. Carl Anthony Towns missed most of last year with a calf injury, and when you lose your second best player, that's going to be a lot in in a in a rugged Western Conference. But really, the biggest key for them this season has been continuity. Uh, last year was the first season of Rudy Gobert. There was some uh, struggles in terms of acclimating to him, of him acclimating to the Timberwolves. And then midseason, they make a big trade and send D'Angelo Russell out and bring Mike Conley in. And so I just think that you saw a team that really was not comfortable playing together yet and hadn't figured each other out and hadn't gained an understanding. And so um, they get a full summer uh, to kind of go over things, to get to familiarize with each other. They had a full training camp together. They have been, knock on wood, relatively healthy this season. And so you just see a team that really knows more of what it is supposed to be on a night in and night out basis. And I just think that, you know, in a league that is so kind of dependent on change and is, it changes such a central part of, of this league at coaches and at, um, and, and players and roster changes and all of that to have the stability that they've had now for a little over a year has made all the difference and they just look comfortable playing together. Yeah, the thing, John, that I was really disappointed in last year was just the spacing. It felt like when Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns were on the floor at the same time, we were all worried that it wouldn't be able to work to create those driving lanes for Anthony Edwards. Is it as simple as bringing in Mike Conley to space everything out, or was there a scheme thing that you saw Chris Finch change in order for this offense to start clicking uh, and allowing Anthony Edwards to flourish. Well, I, I do think, Trista, that uh, Mike Conley is just a much better fit for what they needed to do with this roster than D'Angelo Russell was. D'Angelo Russell is a very good scorer, and when he gets hot, he's an excellent shooter. Um, Mike Conley is just more of a quarterback. Like, he runs the show. He gets people organized. 
He understands where people need the ball, where they like it. And most importantly, he knows Rudy Gobert from playing with him in Utah. Rudy is a unique player and it takes a while to adjust to him. And so to your point, I do think that it took them a while to figure out spacing as well in terms of Carl Anthony Towns was moving to a new position. He was playing power forward when normally he was used to posting up as a center or getting the ball out on the perimeter, pump faking at three point and driving a lot. And with Rudy there, it just changes the dynamics of what is available at the rim in the paint. And so I think they've kind of gently pushed Rudy into a dunker spot situation a little bit more to open things up for for Towns and Edwards on the drive. And I think Mike Conley running more empty side pick and rolls with Rudy has helped to kind of breathe a little bit more space into the offense. It's still a work in progress, though. They are, um, they're just, they're kind of been toiling around 16, 17, 18 in, in offensive rating most of the season. So they have a lot of work yet to do there, but you can see the outlines of understanding where each other needs to be a little bit more. And they have about 25 games to figure that out until the playoffs begin. You know, John, one of the things that I always look at with a young up-and-coming team, where the Grizzlies were in this spot a few years ago, uh, before obviously everything went south with John Moran and everything else, the Timberwolves are kind of in that spot where they're everything feels like it's coming together. But there's the regular season, and then there's the playoffs. And the playoffs are a different animal. And it always just feels like these young teams have to gain that experience and go through some playoff series losses before they can kind of get to that next step. What is the ceiling, do you think, for this Timberwolves team this season? Yeah, I mean, you know, they have been in the first round of the playoffs the last two years. Um, unfortunately for them, in the Denver series last year, Jane McDaniels and Nas Reed were both hurt. So I think they missed that really good opportunity to get a taste of the action. And and so Jane McDaniels, Nas Reed, some of their supporting cast will be going into these playoffs kind of a little green, a little bit light on experience. But Anthony Edwards has been there. Carl Anthony Towns has been there. Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley have played in, in playoff situations a lot. They haven't had a ton of success. They haven't won championships yet or anything like that. Um, so there is an element of I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing with the Timberwolves. Yeah, they, they're, they're, they don't have the benefit of the doubt, even if they were the one seed going into these playoffs. They are a team, I truly believe this, that they could absolutely – go to the NBA Finals coming out of the West. I, I think that they have the talent, and if they get the right matchups, they can win three series and get to the Finals. They also, if they get the wrong matchup, can lose in the first round. Like, that is kind of the ceiling and the floor for them, and it is volatile. I would definitely lean much more toward they're going to win at least one series, maybe two, uh, maybe more than, than than bow out in the first round. I think that would still be a, a very big disappointment. But that's the volatility and the uncertainty that surrounds this team right now because we just have not seen them do it together before. So they don't have that benefit of the doubt. They're going to have to really prove that they are capable of winning high leverage games and in April, May, and June before uh, they're going to get anybody's trust and belief that this is actually going to happen. Timberwolves plus 850 to win the Western Conference, certainly worth a look. Uh, the Nuggets were a buzzsaw in the playoffs, John. Mm. Just an absolute demolishment. But the only team that really stacked up well against the Nuggets 
were the Timberwolves. Even Jokic said it was by far their toughest series, even though it might not have looked like it in terms of how the series played out, in terms of how many games it went. Like, why do you think the Wolves stack up so well uh, against the Nuggets? And how much of that has to do with Tim Connolly as the architect of both teams? Yeah, I mean, certainly Tim Connolly deserves a lot of credit. I mean, he he and Calvin Booth built the Nuggets into the champion that they are. Um, and he has now done a really good job with the Timberwolves and bringing in Rudy Gobert, bringing in Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, just getting Monte Morris in the trade. So he knows what he's doing from a roster-building standpoint. And one of the things that uh, was his first order of business when, when he took over with the Timberwolves before last season was he knew that Nikola Jokic was the player that was going to stand in everybody's way when it came to the playoffs. And so that is the biggest reason that he went and got Rudy Gobert in this very polarizing trade, going extra big against the Nuggets because he thought that that was the way to match up against the best team in the Western Conference. And I think that there's validation to that right now. One thing that you see the Nuggets on a nightly basis do is use their physicality and their size to really beat up smaller opponents. They just did it to the Warriors the other night. Um, any team that goes small in this era is too small for the Nuggets with Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, all of those guys. The Timberwolves are one of the few teams in the West that can stand up toe-to-toe and look the, the Nuggets right in the eyes. Gobert, Towns, Jaden McDaniels is long. Anthony Edwards is 6'5", but he plays really big. They have Nas Reed coming off of the bench. They have size everywhere, and I do think that that at least makes it a little more of a challenge for the Nuggets. Um, what they, what you saw them do in the playoffs to make it a little hard on Denver was Rudy Gobert guarded at Aaron Gordon. Carl Anthony Towns actually made Jokic work as well as anybody did for his points. He still had a great series, but, but Towns made him work. And then Gobert just kind of played the free safety in defense and played help defense, daring Aaron Gordon to make shots. And it worked in their favor a little bit. Then you have the perimeter defenders to go up against Jamal Murray, to go up against Porter Jr., to go up against uh, Caldwell Pope, anyone that the, that the Nuggets throw out there. So I still don't think, I mean, obviously the Nuggets have to be the favorite. Um, they've done it. They've, they've proven it. But I do think that the Wolves are one of the few teams in the West that can go into a series in the playoffs and say, we have the horses to match up with these guys. And they will go in believing that they can win that series, and we would see it. I would, I would love to just see it and see how it plays out. Oh, be a great series to watch those two play without question. Talking to John Krasinski, BetMGM tonight. You also cover the Vikings for the Athletics, so I want to switch over to the NFL for a couple minutes with you because, I mean, we know as much as Justin Jefferson's contract is a conversation, there's nothing bigger in the NFL than the quarterback position. And he has said reportedly that he wants to wait and see what they're going to do in Minnesota at quarterback before he decides on what he's going to do contractually with the Vikings. What do you think, what have you heard the Vikings are going to do? Is it a Kirk Cousins return? Is it going to be go young, maybe draft somebody? What's their mindset right now from what you're hearing in terms of the quarterback position in Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, I think the ideal scenario for them is that they do sign Kirk Cousins to, let's say, a two-year deal. Um, and then they also draft a quarterback This, uh, you know, in the draft coming up here, whether it's first round, early second round. And, and use the next year or two with Cousins coming off of an Achilles, getting a little bit older, but still playing at a high level. 
and and then let uh, a, a young quarterback learn behind him, you know, take some time, figure things out, and then in a year or two, hand that over. That's obviously a tough needle to thread sometimes because not only do you have to get Cousins back and healthy and keep him healthy, but you have to find the right quarterback, and they are not picking one, two, or three right now in the draft. They could certainly look to trade up and and get somebody if they really like Jaden Daniels or they really like J.J. McCarthy or whoever it is. They can try and move up from their spot and go get someone. But I think that is the what in, if they can wave a magic wand, they would say Kirk Cousins, two years, a manageable number, and then they draft their guy who they really believe in that will be their quarterback of the future. Do you think that is Jaden Daniels? Uh, because obviously he wasn't playing on LSU at the same time as Justin Jefferson. Both went to the same college, though. Uh, 11th overall, they've got a couple of you know, you know, things in their pocket that they can maybe trade up and get. Is that the move that you think is the most likely if they do go out and get a quarterback in the first round? Yeah, you know, it's a great question because obviously I, I am sure that Justin Jefferson is very familiar with Jaden Daniels. He is, uh, he is a really gifted quarterback, uh, put up huge numbers at LSU, and I think that he would be very high on the Vikings list. I also think that when you look at the kind of quarterback that Kevin O'Connell seems to like in his system, it seems to be a little bit more traditional. Um, you know, so is it a Drake May? Is it you know? Is it even JJ McCarthy? Would would it, would he be comfortable with with that kind of a player um, at his spot? Because we saw him have success early when Josh Dobbs came in for Kirk Cousins at the in the middle of last season, but it flamed out really quickly. There just did not seem to be a good matchup between skill set and what Kevin O'Connell wanted to accomplish. Um, so I, I think that, that Kevin O'Connell values athleticism, values the ability to extend plays, but I think above all those things, he values accuracy and he values being able to make all the throws down the field. I think Jane Daniels can do that stuff. And so I think that depending on their evaluation of his arm talent, he could absolutely be the guy, but I'm not ruling out should it be uh, a player who is more of a just in the pocket kind of a passer like Kirk Cousins is and and the Kirk Cousins has had a lot of success in this offense Justin Jefferson has had a ton of success just producing in an offense like this with a quarterback like that so it wouldn't surprise me also if he went away from the Jane McDaniels or Jane Daniels prototype and went more toward a, uh, a Drake May type of a player if they can get up that high yeah, there's no question that I think once Justin Jefferson realized getting the ball from Kirk Cousins was actually beneficial to him, he's like, ah, I kind of <laughs> like this guy as a quarterback. John Krasinski, the athletic, covers the Timberwolves, covers the Vikings. Really appreciate you coming on, man. Great stuff. Thanks for having me. Be very uh, confusing, yeah, Jaden Daniels and Jaden McDaniels. I know. I, I almost tripped be, on it right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's BetMGM tonight. We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. 61-56 lead for the Raptors. You got the Pistons down to the Knicks, 43-34, early 11-5 lead for the uh, Nets over the Grizzlies. Two two bad teams right there. Just two teams that are not, not very good, Trista. The line was five and a half, Indiana at home, mm-hmm. and they were missing nobody. And that should tell you, this line is stinky. Toronto might win this game outright. There's still time. We got a whole second half to go. But the fact that Toronto's up five at halftime 
as five and a half, six point dogs. Very strange. Extremely strange. North Carolina's also got a 50 to 41 lead in the second half over uh, Miami. They're 12 and a half point favorites there. If anybody's interested, uh, Incarnate Word only down 13 to Nichols State. They're 15 and a half point dogs. You're betting on Incarnate Word. Good for you. You found some kind of. You know, I want to make sure. And you may you may have been on Incarnate Word. You didn't give it out. I want to make sure that it's out there, Trista. Want to make sure that everybody is uh, you know very informed as it is. Because we look, we got no NFL. We gotta we gotta dig right into that college foot or the college basketball. Although I will say, if we're being honest with ourselves, I mean we know the NFL is going to be it's a year round thing. It always is. And I actually do love the fact that the NFL offseason has become. It's not at the level where the NBA is. But, like, it's kind of close, and we had it really over the last couple of years with all of the, you know, the quarterback trades that have gone on and sort of the player movement you didn't have necessarily in the past. And it's interesting, right, because we talk so much about, right, the narrative is the running back is it's not dying out, but it's getting phased out. Got Teams aren't paying these guys as much, and, oh, the running back's not valuable in today's NFL. Problem is, you get some really good running backs on the market this offseason. And in a team like your Dallas Cowboys specifically, though I don't want to see this happen, how often did we on this show talk about how they said they want to run the football, yet they're not running the football at all? Well, Tony Pollard is set to be a free agent. You got Josh Jacobs out there. You got Saquon Barkley out there. You got Derrick Henry. who's not the same Derrick Henry. He's 30, but could still provide something for them. If I'm a team like the Cowboys that has a lot of weapons at wide receiver already, can throw the football, but you want to add that dynamic in the backfield, this is the offseason. Even if maybe you got to overpay just a little bit, if you're going to give significant carries and touches to somebody like a Saquon Barkley, it actually does provide value to your offense. I think this is a great opportunity this offseason, as much as it makes me sick, for your Dallas Cowboys to get better in that backfield. Who do you think they should go out and get, though? Because, like, none of these names move me much. I know that, listen, like, Josh Jacobs two years ago was really good. And mm-hmm. you could say, you know, yeah. I let, led the NFL in rush, all-purpose yard, all rushing yards. And so you look at Josh Jacobs and you say, this is what he can be with a good offensive line. But last year he fell off so far and so hard that it was very difficult to really think that he could sustain that level of success. He is a, a dual threat back, right? And that's what Dallas was kind of missing is they had Tony Pollard, who's more of the scat back, and then they had Ezekiel Elliott, who's running in between the tackles, and Josh Jacobs can do both. He's going to want want a lot of money. And then you talk about like guys that are somewhat washed, like Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler. They don't got it anymore. Maybe Devin Singletary? Like he's, he could... He can do some things. Like, J.K. Dobbins got injury issues. We know that. That's been the case. Gus Edwards, he's been he's a fine back, but he's not a marquee back. Obviously, we're not going to go out and get Ezekiel Elliott again. I'm not a huge Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fan, although he is very young. So, and obviously not Saquon Barkley, unless you're getting him on the cheap, cheap. So, I don't know who that running back is unless they're going out and getting two. Like, a, are you going out and getting a, a DeAndre Swift and say a I don't know like Josh Jacobs are you getting them both well I think the key well first the key is obviously going to be price right like you talk about how much these guys are going to cost what the contract's going to look like that's the most important thing if you're going to get a decent price decent contract for somebody like Saquon Barkley you can kind of overlook some of the injury history right but yeah he's not like there really aren't many just feature backs anymore Christian McCaffrey's one of them but 
there's going to be a certain point where he can't even be that way. He's going to be phased into more of, you know, slot receiver. We already know the type of weapon that it can be out of there. I actually love, if I'm trying to build a backfield, and I'm willing to, yeah, it's, it's within the price range. Again, let's, let's say that the money works here. Let's just assume that that's the case. DeAndre Swift with a Saquon Barkley or to a lesser degree because he's older, a Derrick Henry. you got a power back. You've got kind of the guy that can catch the balls out of the backfield, can also go and get you some, you know, make some plays, quicker feet, those types of things with somebody that's also young. you got to draft somebody. Like, you have to draft a running back. If I'm the Cowboys specifically, that's kind of the angle that I'd look at, right? Because you've got – you're pretty set at wide receiver. Yeah, you could add another weapon. It's there. You could certainly keep adding to your 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 offensive line, which is always important. But Dallas is in kind of a unique position where they have the ability to bolster up that backfield in a way that it's done smartly. And I think that's the tough spot today. Like, people just have this open narrative of like, well, you know, running backs and they're not valuable anymore. Okay, really good running backs actually are. They, they are. Look at look at what Detroit was able to do with their backfield that they had this past year. I love the draft they had. And I'm okay with drafting a running back in the first round if he's somebody that you're going to use consistently and in a major role. Dal- or Detroit was able to do that. Atlanta should have done that more. There's a reason why Arthur Smith's not there anymore because he didn't use B. John Robinson the way that he should have in that backfield. But, you know, if you're Dallas, you can draft somebody, let's say, even if it's a second or third round pick at running back, and you go out on the free agent market and get one or two of these guys at a decent price. I mean, you build up kind of a three, three-headed monster that you're using in different situations, different scenarios, and that's what really benefits teams today. There just aren't many running backs anymore that people are willing to use as an every down back. We don't have a lot of whatever, Emmett Smith's anymore, just throw out a running back, Barry Sanders. Like, we don't have that the way that we used to. But when these guys are used in the right situations, they're still very valuable. But we all know this, it comes down to money first and foremost. And that's what it's going to really be, is does Derrick Henry still think he's worth more than he actually is? Because I'm telling you, he's not. He's 30 years old. It's just not going to happen. Saquon Barkley, I think Trista's the tough one. I think he's the guy that thinks he's going to get out there, maybe wants to stay with the Giants, but going to get out there on the open market and think he's going to get like a four-year deal and make like $17, $18 million a year, and it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I'm looking at just running backs that we go out and get uh, my Dallas Cowboys. I wouldn't mind a Blake Corum. I know he's only 5'8", but so is so is Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's no, no big back at all. He's right. like very small. Or maybe like an Estime. I know he's sixth ranked uh, in terms of running backs. There's a few that I could see Dallas going out and getting. And, and I remember when we ended up draft, drafting Tony Pollard, a lot of people were scratching their heads. I think they got him in the fourth round. And mm-hmm. he obviously turned out to be the running back of the Dallas Cowboys without any Ezekiel Elliott. So I think there's – and they're very good. You know, this team's very good at finding talent later in rounds and almost getting the guy that they should have gotten one round later than everybody else would have gotten them. So I'm confident that if they end up drafting a running back, they'll find somebody who can produce in, you know, a year or two, probably unless they go out and get somebody in the first or second round, they're not going to produce right away. But yeah, I'm confident that they can build, but they need to go out and get some guys right now because if you don't have Ezekiel Elliott and you don't have Tony, Tony Pollard, then what do you have really? You have, you have no one. Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, and I mean, even if you, yeah, and if you kind of look, I mean, we may be looking at maybe middle of the second round when a running back comes off the board first. This is not the type of draft like we had last year where a couple of running backs went in the first round. It's very edge driven, quarterback driven, yep. uh, tackle driven. So teams are certainly going to be going that route. But again, we, we have seen you can draft a quarter or running back in the third and the fourth round 
and they can come yes. in and contribute right away. So, you know, Dallas or any of these other teams is looking for that. They're in the right spot, but that doesn't mean that there's not there's no value in some of these guys that are on the free agent market. Like they will. It just again, it all oh, this whole thing comes down to numbers. It's like, okay, so if we're looking at the Bengals right now, the Bengals are going to franchise T Higgins. Doesn't surprise me at all. They should be doing that. But this also like the Bengals would love to keep their whole roster together, wouldn't they? But in the end, it all comes down to money and and what they can afford and what they can't do. But you know, I kind of feel like if you're the Bengals, that's another team where are right, you going to franchise T Higgins? But what are you doing in that backfield? Like Joe Mixon's past the point where he's going to be an every down back for you. He's had a lot right. of carries. Do they draft somebody? Do they keep Joe Mixon around? and then sign somebody on the free agent market? Do they go after, like, a DeAndre Swift? or You know what I mean? So, like, there's a lot of teams out there. I feel like the running back market this offseason is going to be more competitive than it's been in the past, just given kind of where these teams are and the certain situations they are. But for the Bengals, there's value in getting somebody in that backfield, but they're not going to spend a ton of money because they just can't afford it. So it may end up just being that they draft a bunch of guys. Yeah, if you look at the Bengals, too, we saw that Chase Brown emerged, right? So if I'm, if I'm the Bengals front office, I'm saying, what do I need with Joe Mixon? Chase Brown was yep. very, very serviceable. And then you've got Travion Williams mm -hmm. and, Chase, uh, and Chris Evans right behind them. So I don't even know if they need to make a move there. I would just try out. And this, this wide receiver class is very deep. So, yeah, like you want to franchise tag T. Higgins, and, and that's fine. But you should probably look to the draft because next year – the, the situation is going to get even more complicated with the amount of money that you're paying all of these guys. And I think that's what gets lost sometimes. Not lost, but like gets forgotten, right? When we talk about these teams that have great situations or they're a team that's on the rise, it's eventually they get priced out. You've got to be able to draft well to consistently be a winner in the NFL. It's not just, you don't win through free agency, you win through the draft. And the biggest turnarounds from teams are generally because they drafted well. I mean, think of how much we... I mean, come on. The Texans this year, you and I both loved that team, right? I mean, how, how can you not? But they drafted so well. They had so much talent. And you could even look at the Rams. The Rams were a team that... Their win total was six and a half. That's it. I loved the over on that because I looked at the draft they had and said, they've got talent, but you also, if you have Matt Stafford healthy and Sean McVay, you have yourself a chance. But they did draft well. They did add that extra talent middle of the you know middle of the draft it's not just the front end it's the middle where you can find guys that are edge rushers in the fifth round that are running backs in the sixth round that contribute I mean Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh round pick and look at what he's able to do for Kansas City so the biggest thing in the NFL if you want your team to continue to succeed the NBA right it's a little bit different you can win with free, if you're a big market specifically free agency I mean trades you're going out and get stars it's a little bit different but in the NFL given the seven rounds that you have if you're able to draft well you can have yourself a really talented team on the top end with, you know, free agents and guys that have been in the organization for all that you're paying. And then you've also got that young talent that's in there and contributing like Houston just had this past year. And you go from worst to first in one season and everything's different. Yeah, dude, that's that's all the difference, right? You looked at Detroit's draft and everyone was just completely hammering yeah. it. And all those guys came in and contributed right away. Huge Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs. Like, you had guys on the defensive end, Brian Branch, who were contributing. So, yeah, I mean, free agency is nice, but ultimately, you're able to build much more 
effectively when you can control your mm. cap situation. You know, it's the same old thing we talk about all the time. Young quarterback, you know, you build in the trenches, you spend your money on the defense and on the O-line and and like maybe one or two skill positions on the offense and defense. And, and then you continue to build your coffers and your larder uh, until you have to pay your your quarterback, right? Like you're seeing with Joe Burrow now. Or paying your quarterback a second time, like Dallas is going to have to start yes. thinking about with Dak Prescott, which I don't, I mean, there's just no way they're not paying him, right? Like I, I look at right. this and say they're going to pay him whatever he wants. That's what Jared does. Oh, I mean, it's not close. The last time I remember it was a few years ago, and there was all this hoopla about whether they would pay him or whether they wouldn't. And there's this big dispute where it looked like Dak could hold out. And I just knew there's no there's no chance. I think Dak Prescott is like Jerry Jones's fifth son. Honestly, he <laughs> loves Dak, loves him. I think loves him more than Tony Romo. Uh, well, you know, Trista, I do love Dak Prescott, but I love Tony Romo, too, and Jason Garrett still to this day. I do still love that, Ginger. I understand it didn't work out, but we tried. We tried real hard. But, yeah, I mean, listen, you, you guys even paid – you guys paid Zeke, right? Like, not a lot of teams pay oh. running backs, and you paid Zeke, which, you know, it's it's just one of those things where, though, at the same time, you did get some of that production, but it just – it always fall, it always drops. It's why – again, it goes back to, like, what you said, right, about Detroit's draft and how they dr- – why wouldn't you draft a running back in the first round that's going to be on a rookie-scale contract that's going to cost you a lot less than a running back that's 25, 26, 27, and then you're thinking, well, are we going to pay him or are we not going to pay him like you had to do with Zeke? And then discard him. And then discard him. As soon as Jameer Gibbs is up for a contract, let him go somewhere else and do that thing again. Yeah, the Ezekiel Elliott thing, remember he was, Nick, in the best shape of his life when they paid him. I just want to say that. He was in the best shape of his life. All day. Eating that cereal. Eating that cereal. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see, too, because we've obviously had the evolution of the big man in the NBA, right? We talk about how they look now, and it's just totally different, which, by the way, that that shot Wemby had last night where the ball got knocked out of his hands oh and still goodness. went in, you're like, just like, what, what, like, what are we, what are we how, how, how is any of this possible? I do feel like there is going to be a level of an evolution of running backs in the NFL, too, where kids today... If you are coming up in high school and you're like, I'm I'm a running back, I know that's the position I'm going to probably have to play, I want to go to the NFL, you're going to model your game after a Jameer Gibbs, after a Christian McCaffrey, where you also have to be a really good receiver. Big men in the NBA today can get out, they can run the floor, they can pass the ball, they can do so many other things they can shoot that we didn't have back in the 90s, where today, if you're looking at running backs in the NFL, I would look at Christian McCaffrey. I would look at Jameer Gibbs and say, I want to prolong my career. I want to make myself more valuable in a pass-happy league. That's what you do. You got to be able to catch the football out of the backfield. If kids can work on that now, we're going to see that evolution, I think, a few years in the NFL, and that'll make these guys a lot more valuable. Bet MGM tonight. We're back with Bet MGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by Bet MGM. 82-75, Raptors over the Pacers in the third quarter. Knicks up four, 62-58, halftime over the Pistons. That's it. Kate Cunningham already with 20 points in the first half. 
37-27 Nets over the Grizzlies. Uh, once a day, play the BetMGM free-to-play BetMGM fast break for a chance to win daily prizes. You can play as the point guard, choose to pass to Kevin Garnett, maybe Jalen Rose, and you take it yourself for a dunk. If you score, you win a prize. It's at the very top. You just go to where the uh, promotions tab is in the BetMGM app or on the website. Either one doesn't matter. Sign up. They got a lot of this kind of stuff, and it is fun, and it's free, and you get prizes, and everybody, Trista, everybody loves prizes, and that's the most important thing. And it being free. I like free things as well. Nothing beats a deal. You know, I have noticed that in life, that you can have a really crappy T-shirt that you're giving away and people want it because it's free. Isn't it true? Like, I've even fallen into that category where it's like, you know what? It's free. I'll take it. Why not? You say free, people want it a lot more. I went over to get a water just now at the break and there was... I think probably 15 or 20 massive bags. Have you read Almond Roca? Do you remember those? Almond Roca, no. the candy? No. They're like Ferrero Rocher, no. but they're like longer. They look like little logs with pieces of nuts on them. I don't know. <laughs> and there was, I mean, just free. I don't, did I want an Almond Roca? No. Did I have an Almond Roca? Absolutely. It's just so you get tempted by it. free food, free anything. Oh. Free food is a great way in this in this industry to uh, gain a lot of weight very, very quickly. They just start, you know, the fr- press box food or food drops. Ooh, man. Yep, I've eaten way too much pizza in my day before. I'm like, nope, can't do this anymore. This ain't going to work. So, yeah, you get it, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're like, oh, man, I should probably stop, but it's free, so I can't really uh, can't really help myself. So, yeah, I'm, no I'm in Roca. I'll show you the Almond Roca next break. Yeah, you got to show me because I'm trying to think of, like, what it actually is. I don't think I've ever had it before. It's a candy bar? It's like a can it's not a bar. It's more like I'm a Googling this. it looks it's it's small. It's about the size of a Tootsie Roll, maybe a little longer. And it's uh I'm in it kind of is like Ferrero Rocher, but it's like a little long Okay. Oh, uh, I see it now. It's a gold wrapper. The, Portland people yeah, the love be- themselves. Oh, oh yeah. Rocher. Yeah, this <laughs> looks kind of good. Yeah, I would have taken bad. it too. No, I'm seeing like an Almond Roca, like homemade recipe, and it looks like that. You know, they call it like bark or something, and it's like a you yes. crack it off, and it's like a piece of chocolate, and that's I'm seeing that too here. Okay, yeah, I see why you took it. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's I not understand. bad. Not bad. At <laughs> now, all. are you sure? There's it's like a free, million though. Or were you were you supposed to pay for it, and you just didn't pay for it in the kitchen, like at an art studio? Well, it was dunked into I don't know what kind of accusation that is but <laughs> but like it's dumped into bowls and and then just overflowing over the bowls just out there's no there are no vending machines or anything here it's just you gotta fend for okay. yourself there's a couple of Celsius uh, in the fridge I'm drinking water out of the tap and then it's just a, an overflowing almond roca I don't know what it's for is it for Valentine's Day is it for I mean there's there's got to be over 10 bags huge bags too Sounds like it was a free one so you're good you're good there's no uh there's no free kitchen like we have where you got to go up to the register and scan it and put your card in and there was uh there's actually a really great story it was so it's pretty much it's mostly like a lot of these Odyssey stations anyway have like the kitchen that we have right you go in and there's a there's a fridge that you can get water and you can get protein shakes and you can get you know whatever then you got like the dry goods the candy or the jerky or whatever so I think it was last season Boomer Esiason had to do his morning show from our Kansas City affiliate six ten sports in Kansas City and they had the same setup as us there was an article about this actually and 
he didn't realize that you had to pay for the stuff there. So he went in in the morning and I guess just grabbed a ton of stuff, not realizing that it was like you had to go like pay for it and didn't do it. And then finally found out, yeah, that's actually like something you got to pay for and then had to do that. But like, if you don't see the signs all over the place in these types of these kitchens that we have, you don't know when you think, hey, these are a bunch of freebies. That's not really the case. They're going to make you pay for it still. <laughs> it's not Google, Boomer. Uh, we're working for no. a radio station and nothing is free. <laughs> it's nothing. It's very Except nothing. Except for these almond. Nothing is free. Almond rocas. Yeah. I think those are free. That's it. That's that's pretty much it. Or if somebody drops off pizza there, you're going to probably have free pizza if that's the case. And that's about as far, you know, about as far as it goes. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, watching the Knicks Celtics over the weekend and just like the difference between, and I know the Knicks are hurt, right? They got, they got a bunch of injuries, but like you could just see the difference in class between the two teams with especially that third quarter, Jason Tatum just taking over the game. The Knicks to me are a team that kind of lacks that one. As much as I love Jalen Brunson, if they had, like, Prime Mellow, Knicks Prime Mellow on this roster right now, they'd have that bucket getter with, like, all the other pieces they have. I think they're, like, a true title contender if they have that. But, you know, you, really? like, you need that in the playoffs right now. I just look at certain teams in the East, especially, like, you know, Boston sitting there plus 260 to win the East makes sense, right? Cleveland, you kind of do have that in Donovan Mitchell. I just don't know if I'm ready to be confident enough in saying that, like, the Cavs are a true title contender, but they're playing like it right now, right? Like, they got a lot of the pieces there, but it's hard. Like, we talked about the Nuggets. You've got to kind of break through that and show that you are a contender and you ignore the name Cavaliers and you think of, like, title contender. Milwaukee, like, you got it, but they're not... They're now, offensively, they're not as good as they used to be. Defensively, they're better, and Doc Rivers is, you know, Doc Rivers. You look more and more... There's only a few teams, I think, in the NBA, Trista, that, like, I truly trust as title contenders, and it's Boston, it's Denver. It's crazy to say it, but it's the Clippers. I think Clippers, because Kawhi's been there before, that team has been to the Western Conference Finals at some point. But when you really kind of break it down to, like, teams that are good in the regular season versus playoffs, there are very few that I really do have true confidence in as an actual title contender right now in the NBA. Yeah, Denver's plus 245 to win the West. Clippers are plus 250. Then you've got Boston plus 115 to win the East. You know who I actually think is worth a long shot bet to win the East? Mm -hmm. And I know they are down bad right now. There's two of them. One, the one that I feel probably the best about are the Sixers. So they look horrible right now, obviously without mm -hmm. Joel Embiid. They're just nothing. They can't. They can't protect the rim. Uh, they are getting completely. You know, Tyrese Maxey getting double and triple teamed. But I like the move for Buddy Hield. They've got a lot of depth. They've got Nick Batum on this roster. They've got guys that can defend. They've got a lot of what we would call positional uh, versatility to go size up, size down. Nick Batum can either play the five or he could play the three, right? And you've got Joel Embiid there coming back into form. I do not trust Boston to play as a team in clutch clutch time, high leverage basketball situations. I think Jason Tatum just doesn't necessarily have that in him, right? Um, he kind of wants to go ISO when the, the game is on the line. So for me, it's the one team that I think is a long shot in the East that I like a lot is, is Philly at nine, plus 950. 
And then, of course, we know what time it is with the Heat. They look bad all regular season, and then they find a way to get to the finals. A lot of hedging opportunities if you take the Heat 10-1. to 1. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the East and teams that we either trust or we don't trust, it is a Monday, which means it is time for us to uh, play a little game, Scott, and change our mind on a Monday, shall we? You had me at Almond Roca, Nick. <laughs> Just leave it at that. Just, you know. Well, you love free for, food. Forever. I know you're a big fan of, of course. free food, so you know. <laughs> no, Trista brings to the fore the Almond Roca, the chocolate, the Ferrero Rocher, the gold foil, the oh my goodness, it's hazelnut heaven. That's fancy oh. coffee or fancy Let's, candy. There, no, fancy candy. No, it's it, you know what it is. Tea. It's Costco candy. Price Club candy. Oh, is that you what it is? Buy it in bulk, and you fill the bowl for the holiday season. And then when the guests come over, change my bowl's empty. You're like, who is? I have no idea. Who it is. Anyway, change my mind on a Monday. Out the trust factor, and we can always carry these over to later. Nobody outside the top four in either conference is a title contender. As we came into work today, Cleveland, Milwaukee, and the Knicks are your top four seeds. In the West, it's the it's Denver and the Clippers. And again, we'll get to the Western Conference a little later, but it's 60 to win the, the uh, Cavaliers. I, the, my bad on my notes. If one of you can just grab that. Milwaukee's plus 700. The Knicks are plus two the West, it's Minnesota, 2,200, Oklahoma City, the same, Denver, 450, the Clippers, 475 as well. Cleveland, 30 to 1 right now to win it all. You know, I just, I can't, like, I can't look, you know, and maybe some of this is like what we talked about before, right? Where I said like, okay, you're looking at Denver. And I'm going, well, Denver ha Denver Nuggets and NBA champions hasn't been used in a sentence, and I'm waiting to use that in a sentence when it actually happens. But I do, I outside of the top four, finding a, an actual title contender in either conference, I mean, if Joel Embiid came back, the Sixers are fifth, like you said, right? Like, okay, so there's, there, there's that, but we got to know when Embiid's coming back, what he's going to look like, that's going to be a, a thing. Um, outside of the top four in the West, you can't rule... You can't rule out the Suns because of the talent they have. The problem is, is you just don't expect them ever to stay healthy. And then there's the Heat. Like, do we still do, are the Heat the team that Trista that we still just look at and say, I don't want to count count them out because we've seen them do this time and time again. Like, I don't watch them and say title contender, but we weren't saying that last year, and they made it to the NBA Finals. Yeah, it doesn't matter where the Heat are in the standings. They could be a play-in team like they were last year. And they could lose the first play-in game, right? They lost to the they lost to the Hawks in the first game of the play-in, and then they almost lost to the Bulls. They were down almost ten in the fourth quarter. So I have no idea what it is about the Heat, but when the play playoffs come, they turn things up, right? So I think it's the Heat for me, ten to one. It's the Sixers plus nine fifty, and then it's the Suns, which. Listen, the Suns are not a team that we've had any faith in. They're 9-1 to to win the West. But offensively, they're a top three team right now in their last 10, 20 games. When you have all three of those guys yep. together, they are rolling. So how do they match up with the Nuggets? Probably not great, but better than they did before they got Yusuf Nurkic uh, and added Bradley Beal to the mix.
I mean, they got guys that can at least go get them buckets, right? You know that's important in the playoffs. You got, you know if Durant's healthy, Durant's always going to be somebody. You put the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter, and he takes over the game for you. So it's hard to rule the Suns out, but yeah, the, the West is definitely a logjam as much as anything. It's BetMGM Tonight.